Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello to all of you beautiful pod people out there. I am your host, Leo Phillips, and you've tuned in to This Must Be The Gig. It's your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week... In this podcast, we bring you a little fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene, and that could really mean chatting to a musician, dip diving into a festival founder's head, that sounds very gross, (laughs) a choreographer, a comedian, uh, chatting to an actor, really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. So before we dig into this week's fantastic interview, let's check in with our constant companion here, our Madrid traveling, engineering, producing, producer, TMBTG Studios, I'm just saying words. (laughs) Hello, Adam. Hi. Hey. (laughs) You are right. Madrid traveling. How was that? You are absolutely right. I went to Madrid, Spain. Yeah. How was that? It's one of your favorite places on the earth. Let's catch up all of the audiences. So on a scale of one to vermouth drunk. Yes. How was it? It was vermouth drunk 50. Cool. Yeah. That's that's like 150 on a scale of nine. Great. No, I love. We do. I love Spain. I love Spain. I love Madrid specifically. Why? I, I will tell you that I can just sit 
at a bar and eat olives and drink vermouth all day <laughs> and I'm I'm considered normal, which mm-hmm. is like my dream come true. That's all I want in life. I mean, you can do that here. No one is but really Nobody stopping. would call me normal here. They would call you stuff. They would call me they stuff, would still that's call for you. sure. Call me by my normal. <laughs> um and I love the uh, vibe. I love that I can test my rudimentary Spanish. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. But then I also got to go to the incredible Mad Cool Festival. Yes, for the podcast, which for everybody will podcast. be able to listen to all those episodes coming up. Yeah, this is a sneak peek. We had an incredible lineup at the festival. There was Sharon Van Etten, The National, <sighs> Smashing Pumpkins, Robin, Prophets of Rage... Vetusta Morla, Hometown Heroes. You have to check them out if you haven't already. They're fantastic. You have a chat with them coming up too. That's one of Not the, in this episode, but next That's week. one of the seven interviews I completed Wolfies. while at the festival. And those are going to be spread out you into like a, a couple Tasmanian of... You like a Tasmanian devil of podcasting. It's true. The Madrid vermouth slinging virtuoso someone of podcasting. Out, someone out there, please do a fan drawing of what I would look like yeah. as a... Tasmanian Spanish devil. vermouth slinging Tasmanian devil. I would love that. Great. But we've got seven interviews spread across. We're thinking two episodes in the near future, so get ready for that. But we have an interview this week before that, so Which let's not get ahead important. of ourselves. Yes, much but more But even before also, that... Also, I like speaking over you. You love it. But you love even more than that when we hear from our listeners. So if you're one of those listeners out there, you want to let us know uh, your feelings. Maybe you went to Mad Cool. Tell us what you thought of it. Hit us up at TMBTGPod or at Lior Phillips on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow along. Let us know what your thoughts are and we'll love to chat with you. I think the biggest thing that I've had is people instant DMing me. Is that a thing? That's a thing, yeah. Anyway, I've had them DMing me a lot about how it's certain parts of the show resonated with people and how, you know, they just love the bands that we're showcasing and the guests and the things that we chat about with the guests. And the thing is, if you just tell me, who can I tell? You know, now I'm telling, um, now I'm reversing that and coming back to you and saying it out loud. So please don't DM me about it. Tell the world. (laughs) It's like things shouldn't be so private, you know? Less of storytelling in private and thought leaders. More of collaboration. And you know one way... promotion You know one way to get all that done. This episode's great. The way to get all that done is by leaving it as a five-star review. I mean, that is that is the goal. You should do it? that isn't on it? Apple Podcasts. But they can still email Absolutely. and they can still do reach that out. As well. You can still DM. Do it not... as well. That's my yes. story for today. Okay. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever Google you listen Play. to your podcasts. Absolutely. RSS us. Yes. If you leave one of those five-star reviews, we will give you a shout-out on the show, which we do each and every week. We give someone a shout-out. This week, it goes to Liv, who had this note. Maybe it's Liv Tyler. I don't know. It's definitely Liv Tyler. Love this podcast. Mm -hmm. Lior is a brilliant interviewer. Excited to hear more. Definitely Liv Tyler. Sweet and direct. Come on. Liv Tyler, thank you. Those are wonderful words. Thank you. This is the most awkward part of the podcast, always, but I do like Where we thank Liv Tyler. (laughs) Yeah. 
Thank you, Liv Tyler. I appreciate your tartan skirts. But let's get... That was a 90s throwback. <laughs> but let's uh, get into this week's episode, shall we? This week, I'm joined by three very special guests. The mighty and melodious trio called Potty Mouth. We've got Ali, Abby, Victoria... And just a little bit of background, if you haven't heard about this wonderful band, they are LA via Boston musicians who have just released their superb sophomore record, Snafu. But more importantly, they're right in the heart of their tour through October, I think it is. Yes, October. So they have this kind of indie punk, hook heavy, heart thumping sound. And I guess in this chat, it kind of all comes together because I talked to them about their cross-country move, our shared love of the B-52s, which everybody knows are the best, and the origins of the new album and much, much more. Go listen to the album after we chat because you have to stay tuned. Let us not be delayed. This is me, Ali, Abby, and Victoria. A triple whammy. Enjoy! Hi, this is Abby. Hi, Abby. I feel like this is this is going to be potentially tricky, but like I feel like we could do it. You know, I feel like yeah. we could do it. Yeah. Do you want us to say our names every single time, or do you think after a little while, it, uh, our different voices? Aaron? No, I mean this is. Let's introduce you guys, and then after that, we could just you know trust that the listener will know who's talking. Really, I think that it's you know yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we all have pretty different voices, so I think it'll I think it'll pick up pick up on it. Do you want to all introduce ourselves and then we can go from there? Yeah, sure. Do you want us to say what instruments we play? Yes, that would be great. Okay, cool. So this is Abby. I sing and play guitar. This is Victoria. I play the drums. And this is Allie. I play bass. Amazing. Guys, that was so great. I feel like we should also have like some sort of, I wish if we were in person, we would have like a dance move that we could attach to like introducing yourself with the <laughs> instrument that you play and your name. I mean, just yeah. just picture me yeah, doing like it. Get a little name tag. <laughs> this is the best thing ever because I was so worried that we wouldn't make this happen. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad to talk oh, to all of you. you want to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to talk to all of you. So we're, so now you're in you're in LA. Is that where everybody yeah. is based? Or is that just for for the for press and tour and stuff? We so this is Abby. We all live here. We moved here about almost three years ago from Massachusetts, which is where we started as a band, and that's where I grew up. Oh, so how? I mean, I'm ex- I'm now in Chicago, and I'm experiencing sun for the first time in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! How does it feel to relocate? Like moving is such a strange concept that I feel like people don't give any agency towards that. So how has it felt to move across the country? It was definitely scary, yeah. but moving to I feel like moving to LA from the East Coast isn't a pretty easy transition just because 
so beautiful here all the time and it's so exciting it's like you see tv shows being filmed on your street and you're like oh my god like <laughs> this we're actually here in LA and yeah so it just felt like really exciting and we did it for the band and so many good things have come from it and so we were really lucky that we moved out here together and like had a support system already out here but moving is terrifying Allie, do you want to, I know you had like a way more of a transition than I did for moving. Oh yeah, this is Allie. Um, well, the move in general was interesting because it happened right after we finished a full U.S. tour. So mm. we had been on tour for like five weeks all over the country. And then we were back in Massachusetts for like a week. And that was the week we all like packed our stuff. And then we played, and then we played two sold-out shows with churches in Boston. Wow. I'll, I'll never forget it. We were like, at first we were like, okay, we're gonna move June first, and then we got asked to play these shows like yeah. first and se- or second and third or something like that. So we're like, okay, I guess we can like delay our <laughs> move by a couple of days to play these shows with churches. But we literally like had the van all packed and everything, and, like wow. played these shows with churches. And then, um, and then just start driving cross country again, <laughs> like right after we had basically gotten off tour, yeah. um, which was totally wild. But it was also a different experience because we got to do things that we don't normally get to do on tour, like sightseeing. So we went to the Grand Canyon. That was amazing. Um, we really wanted to try and do stuff like that because, yeah, when you're on tour, you're on a schedule and you just don't really have time to, to, to do those kinds of things. And also, I suppose, seeing a site whilst you're doing something so creatively fulfilling like touring, if you're a band who enjoys it at least, I feel like there's such a, you know, it gives it gives that sight that you're seeing, it gives it so much more meaning. You know, I always find like when I'm traveling for work and I'm like so stressed out and thinking about everything that I need to do and forgetting everything that I need to do because I feel like my brain is like I'm 85 years old in my brain. Um, and then seeing, you know, traveling and seeing these beautiful things that you've never seen before, like newness is so, it's such a wonderful thing. You know, it can be such a good oh, yeah. escape. I, yeah. I love, I love that aspect of touring and traveling in general. One of my favorite websites is Atlas Obscura. Oh my God. I love that website. Yeah. You know, yeah. So like wherever you are, you can like set it to your current location and it just shows you all like the really weird, maybe overlooked like attractions around you, like just like cool cultural um like historical icon or uh, whatever you know things with historical and cultural significance that place Mm. um so we 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 did something kind of cool recently we were were like in Arizona and we found this um what was it like these uh no the um those domes in the desert in Arizona Center. right the abandoned they were these old they were these dome like structures that were used to manufacture some of the very first computers in the 80s oh my god um and now they're they abandoned and like hollowed out spaceship. yeah they look like <laughs> spaceships it was, it, they're really weird highly recommended <laughs> but do you feel like there was a misconception about touring before you all started because of course you know you're always uh there's so much 
so many people have written about you in a certain way. And I feel like so many people write about up and coming or rising bands, which I don't even know what that really means sometimes. Cause you know, to what extent are, are they up and coming, you know, because they could be huge somewhere else. So where are they rising? You know? Um, and I feel like, is there some sort of misconception that you all have felt about touring that you really just uh, just didn't come true after experiencing that world um this is abby i think that maybe there's a general misconception about touring that touring is all about partying and like crazy on the road and after the show every night and for us at least i know some bands do that but for us we are so just conscious of what everyone needs and mm. we all need our rest and to take care of ourselves in order to perform well and so th that is like a huge part of touring that I think people don't understand is like it's really hard to get enough rest to eat well and like do those things that make it so that you're in the kind of physical shape to put on a show mm. so where did you learn that all from like maybe each one of you where did you learn to respect yourselves as much as you knew that you needed to on tour like how much you know like where where did you get that insight from or was it just really trial and error of you know just going out and performing I, I would say I would say to like just go off one of the songs on our new record 22 like none of us are 22 anymore like <laughs> you can't you can't you can't act like a 22 year old forever because your body just changes as you get older I really think that in the past like I was able to maybe like function on less sleep while on tour or like or or function hungover and mm -hmm. I just can't do it it doesn't feel good it makes playing harder it makes the experience of being in a in a van all day like that much worse um you know it's like it's I think at a certain point you know we learn that we have to take care of ourselves but also take this work seriously because this isn't just a right. hobby anymore it's, it's yeah. like something we want to make our profession our career you know it's not work it's not an excuse to party all the time yeah I feel like partying and that kind of old story is really just it's kind of living its days out you know I, don't, I definitely don't think I feel like fans expect a band to be like crazy and you know like drunk all the time and partying and the truth is is that most bands now know that stripping that away and really focusing on the work and and, and I love what you said about creating making sure that it's it's your job you have to be professional um and taking yeah. things seriously it doesn't mean drinking doesn't mean that you're not going to have fun you know like I haven't drank in seven years and I can tell you I've had a lot of fun in my life you know like <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like there's no, there's certainly and not to say that you can't drink but I definitely think that learning at a very young age what like how to be professional is so hard and the fact that like yeah. you are all aware of that is is quite amazing you know yeah and I think we all just have a standard of performance for ourselves where we know what a good show is for us and we can't do that if we're sloppy and and I feel like that's a something that people do actually ask me a fair amount is 
like how much do you drink before you go on or like, oh, yeah. <laughs> do you do drugs before you play shows like how are you able to have so much energy and I'm like I'm completely sober right yeah now. <laughs> hydration <laughs> a, and water <laughs> yeah it's just a, I, sometimes I will have maybe a drink before we play but sure. I just know myself and know that I want to be fully aware and like know what I'm doing when I'm playing and yeah, that's just my way of doing it. I also think that there's like some, It's I'm not talking about like social media, but there's also something in the way that you are a band that I suppose formed and then you got so much attention so quickly and it's still, you know, everybody else's perception of you and almost like getting drunk all the time and or like living out this fantasy that men or, you know, whoever have about you know women in music it's just I feel like it's so boring you know there's not there's not much essence like you can't (laughs) take much from there like how do you grow and how do you learn like why why can't we have a chat about like going on stage and like really understanding what you're playing how people are reacting you know and being wide Mm -hmm. awake is really important and but I, do, I obviously don't want, you know, I don't want to say, say that you can't, like, do drugs and have a drink. No, um, I mean, if anything, I think it's impressive when people are able to perform when they're I know. Up. I'm like, I'm like how are you doing this right now? That's like a whole other kind of skill. I know. Totally. I just know myself and know that I would be a total mess if I did something like that. (laughs) Do you feel like, do you feel like when you first, when you all first started performing, like, tell me a little bit about that first performance. Do you remember it at all? And like, how, obviously it's going to be different just by time, Mm -hmm. you know, time is, is, is a thing. So how, how was that first time that you performed and when was it? We were actually just talking about this earlier. Our first show was 2011. Okay. Yeah. And we played, it was just a basement show that we played and we had only been a band for a few months. Um, And Victoria had been in bands before this and Allie was in another band at the time. Okay. So it was just like, we, I had never been in a band before and our original guitarist also hadn't, but we just decided to get together and jam and write a few songs and then we you know all of our friends just things that we did was go to house shows so we were like okay we want to play a house show by the end of the school year um and so yeah we just played a house show and I was terrified (laughs) because I I was in high school and we were playing for a bunch of our and like Allie was had graduated from college. Victoria was in college, and I feel like I was just really intimidated. But it was still it was like a fun show. I mean, I think that it went well for <laughs> for our first show. What do you What do you think? Yeah, people were into it. It was cool. <laughs> I mean, we we were in Western Mass, which is like a pretty small community of like people who 
are there a lot of times for college um, or like at least that's why me and Victoria were there and yeah we had like our small little scene and it was nice to have to be able to play in front of a community that feels like small and accessible and feel like they're affirmed what you're doing rather than you know growing I can't really imagine what it would have been like to try and become a band in LA because you're just one of so Mm -hmm. many um, who are doing it whereas like being from a smaller area I think yeah it just felt more accessible to like kind of like be a part of this community play a show and have people notice you and think what you're doing is cool um that there is such an oversaturation of it do you do you feel like there was some sort of like did you do anything particularly differently back then especially because it was of course your first show and at the, at that point you you know you were four piece but was there was there something particular that you did that you still do now maybe some sort of like i don't know i'm always so interested in like little rituals that bands have or little things that you do is there anything that that has, has almost stuck with you over these last you know however many years it's interesting because i we don't have any kind of ritual that we do before we play it. Maybe we're just so... We used, to, we, used to take a, we used to take a shot with a roar when Roar was playing it. Victoria, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, other than that, and I feel like I don't know a lot of people, or maybe I just don't know what their ritual is, but maybe we're just that jaded <laughs> that we, like, we're just like, Setting up, ready to go. Or you are already <laughs> witches and you don't need all, any magic spells or magic things to happen. Yeah, I don't have like a, a little stone in my pocket that I'm okay. going to rub three times okay. and then I'll have a fantastic set. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea to incorporate a little bit of magic into totally. into what we do. I think that's actually a really good suggestion. I was going to say, if anything, when I think about who I was as like a performer back mm-hmm. when we first started versus now it feels like a lifetime ago it feels like I'm sure I can't even like recall how I felt in my body because I think the ways I've tried to like grow from beyond that have been like um in a like I don't know in a direction of just like positive self-growth like when we first start when I first started playing in band like in front of people I was very nervous and I like turned my back to the audience and like didn't want anyone to look at me and I was very conscious of people looking at me whereas now when I play I feel more present Mm -hmm. in my body than I do during most times in my day-to-day life because I really am not focused so much on like oh my God, he's in the crowd. He's looking at me. I mean, there are those scary times where I, you know, like lock eyes with someone and you can't like unsee them. (laughs) But in general, I'm not like, that's not where my head's at. I'm not like thinking about who's looking at me. I'm thinking about how I'm playing, how I'm, you know, locking in with my band and we're, you know, we're paying attention to each other more than um, than I used to pay attention to, like, them or the, out, you know, uh, myself. Mm. I feel like if there's any kind of ritual we have, it's always someone will come up to me and be like, what's the set list? Yeah. And then I'll <laughs> say, shit, I forgot to write it. And then I run somewhere and find, like, a scrap of paper <laughs> or a napkin and, like, a pen off the ground and then scribble yeah. a set list for everyone. 
and I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> that happens every single time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, but when, when, how do you then remove the ego when you're forced to make people like aware of who you are and what you do? Because I feel like, especially when you are first starting out, you know, like there was mention of nerves of course you're going to be nervous because that uh, you know performance aspect of your life is not inherently natural yet but how do you then make sure that you're not getting up on stage and acting like a total arsehole you know you're not you're not you (laughs) you don't have like how do you make sure that you are still true to yourself whilst also regaining this power which I feel like performance is powerful so how do you how do you make sure that you balance those two things? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I wish I had a little bit more ego because <laughs> I feel like when I go on stage, I'm just like, why are you people here? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also kind of what makes it so real. Like I was going to say is like, look for those moment opportunities of like making a connection with the crowd. Look for those opportunities to make like a human connection so that you don't seem like this like, um so separate from the audience you know and I think that's what people want out of live music right they want to feel a connection to the thing they're seeing and so you can create that in little ways through you know your what you your you know banter between songs or just um I don't know I like to at this point like we've played um we've played in the U.S. a lot and Mm. Um, some of the same people you know we have we have fans in different cities and it's important to I think connect with them and um, stand by the merch table after you play because without those people there I mean there's no show like you know we we need them to do what we're doing but tell me talk to me then a little bit about that interaction with your fans because obviously I've spoken to so many artists and people in the arts and life and everybody has completely different experiences you know sometimes when they're first starting out they make sure that they're standing there by the merch you know merch is so important for a band but then some other times you know something creepy's happened or something shitty's happened and you're like fuck that I'm not gonna stand here it's too much like how much of yourselves do you give to your fans in in essence it's a very fine line it's very I'd say uh sometimes difficult thing to negotiate for me personally because I do want to seem you know approachable and Mm -hmm. I do want to make those connections because I am genuinely grateful for every single one of our fans who has like supported us um uh and uh but you know especially on tour tour is very um psychologically draining and you know sometimes we play I don't want to have those interactions because I want to just be able to like have me at decompress and have my time because that's important too so it's honestly something I'm still trying to figure out and I um Yeah. yeah doing my best I think the hardest thing for me is that I like interacting with people at shows and mm. in general, I'm a very in-person kind of person. Like if I'm there with you in the room, I'm there with you. I hate, I hate being on my phone. Um, and so, you know, I'll like have a really great conversation with someone at a show and then they'll go and follow me on Instagram and start messaging me. And 
it just kind of like crosses a line in a way where sometimes it's harmless, sometimes it's creepy, but either way, it's like, I don't want to seem like I was fake at the show Mm -hmm. because I was having a genuine conversation with someone, but then if they're crossing that boundary online and I ignore them, I don't want them to feel like, oh, she just like, she's fake. Like she doesn't actually care about me. And it's like, well, no, I'm just, a human you know have a lot of other things going on yes and I want to say as I was listening to Abby say that like it it became like very clear to me that these are this is very like a gendered experience I think people's expectations of us as female artists Mm. are very different than they would be if we were just some dudes playing a rock band sure I think you know especially with our interactions with some of our male fans, there is an expectation that we will be like the nice girl and oh not the God. bitch. You know? I know. Like everyone, and because that's a, that's a gender dichotomy of like, I feel like, you know, being, being a, a, a woman or being a female artist, are, is she nice or is she a bitch? Like it can, it, it's, it's either one or the other. And it's, it's, um, it's, that's why it's exhausting to try and navigate because it's it shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. um, and it's fandom is something I think about a lot because it's like you know music fandom is so important to what we do and you know you want to have people who are like super fans like that's what's going to sustain you totally. and your career but um like no one ever teaches music fans I like boundaries <laughs> yes, you know there's absolutely. no like there's nothing out there that's like this is how to be a fan mm-hmm. <laughs> especially now with technology like I feel like there was there did there's used to be barrier. more of a boundary exactly yeah when the only way you could talk to an artist is if you you know bought the meet and greet ticket or yeah. you know you went to a show and maybe they would come outside of the venue afterwards but now everything is just so accessible all the time at any hour of the day. And people just have so much more of these expectations, you know, that they, and they want so much more from you. And yeah, it's just, it's just a different time and people still don't really know how to deal with that kind of dynamic. And then it's kind of up to you as a band, which is so unfair sometimes it's up to you all to really decide on what your boundaries are. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have no idea what my boundaries are until they are crossed. Then it's like that red light comes on. And then it's like almost like crossing over like electric wire. And then it's like, oh my God, okay, no, I don't, I don't like this. And, and sometimes of course I know my value and I know my worth, but I totally understand about, you know, feeling like that it's a little bit tricky because if you're meeting somebody at a show you know, does it give them the right then to contact you in your private messages online? Like, I, I'm not sure if it does. I feel like everybody should no, have, you know, I, and, and then what are you expected to feel bad if you don't respond? So I feel like it's about setting up boundaries and making sure that like conversation is as light as possible, unless you obviously connect with somebody, which is why you're all in music, you know, it's all about connection. But it's really tricky. I've never really thought of it, you know, in terms of like, how do you troubleshoot it? I've never really thought about like, when do you then when because people 
aren't creepy on the offset sometimes. You know, like people gradually become creepier as you go along. I mean, yeah, that's the a lot of times people don't know what they're doing. They know how to kind of manipulate. Use the yeah, use whatever thread of a relationship exists to manipulate it. And, you mm-hmm. know, oh, I've come to three of your shows by now. I think yes. that entitles me to a hug. It's like no, no that doesn't exactly. entitle you to a hug. Um no amount of show should ever entitle anyone to, to anything a hug. yeah um, to anything. yeah um it's frustrating i'm sure and i also feel like there's there's something in that what you said earlier which i loved which is like you know you don't really feel like it's, it's so tiring to be on tour as is and you know, you're giving the person so much. Like sometimes I look at fans and I am a music fan and I know you all are probably fans as well. And sometimes you like, you idolizing this art and this work so much that it becomes inherent in your life that of course it will give you a sense that you know the person. And the truth is none of us know each other. You know, just because I can read the lyrics that you wrote doesn't mean I know the inside out of your brain. And I love what you said earlier about how, like, it's it's always this pressure on women or non-binary folks who are, like, much more open to people and much more able to connect that, uh, you know, there's that pressure of, like, oh, of course they're going to be nice. And, like, niceness sometimes is not, is, is tiring, you know, when, when you're trying to just do your job. Yeah, it's a double bind that none of us asked for, you mm. know, and it makes you have to work harder even mentally just to sort of like constantly be reconciling what yeah like what are my boundaries should I feel guilty for not responding to this message it's just it's just all this extra mental work that you know seems to be part of the job by virtue of being an artist being you know women and being um you know in this age of social media where accessibility is like taken for granted and everyone is like feels one degree of separation away from the next person so then what are you doing then actively other than i'm sure you feel a wonderful sense of familiarity and you know that familial feeling with each other because obviously can you imagine being like a solo touring artist and not having that you know those people there who can watch your back i feel like do you, do you feel like you have that safety almost in numbers with each other that you can watch each other yeah. and make sure that... 100%. Yeah. 100%. The three of us plus are, you know, we have a few different touring guitarists that are always with us. We have a couple of primary ones. They're like, you know, they're all part of our family. Like Potty Mouth is a family. Our people we bring on tour to sell merch or if we have a tour, or tour manager, like... It feels like, you know, we all look out for each other. We're at this point, me, Abby, and Victoria know each other so well. We know, we have a sense of what our individual or respective boundaries are. And mm-hmm. um, we can, you know, keep those things in check. You have to look out for each other because it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily safe what we're doing, you know, nothing, I mean, not really safe, but, you know, performing publicly, being in different cities every night, traveling in a van, like it's, we have to look out for each other. And I do think about that. If if I didn't have my bandmates or if I didn't have a friendship with my bandmates, I think tour would be lonely and really um, feel really scary because mm-hmm. you don't really like 
maybe you have like someone kind of looking out for you, but it doesn't feel like they're um, really, you know, part, yeah, part of your family or part of your immediate support network. And I also feel like you're all on the same page. You're all going through it at the same time. So there's there's that level of familiarity as well. So it's not necessarily just a manager looking out for you. It's somebody who's like emotionally invested in whatever you're doing. Yeah. Going from that, then what do you what do you do? You know, because we're all I also feel like there's this responsibility for female bands, you know, to talk about the issue of female bands. And like that for me as well is so problematic because I as a female journalist how I identify, I, I certainly don't want people to ask me, you know, to stand up and be that voice all the time. But do you feel like you've been put in a position where maybe, you know, you've seen something happen in a crowd or being a fan and something's happened? Like, how close are you to issues and how often are you expected to talk about them? That's a very complicated question. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain yeah. is a little wonky. I I definitely do think um, it, it's it, like it's imperative that us in, and our larger like peer network of bands look out for each other mm. and to have those like be able to tip off each other on like, oh, this venue, the owner of this venue is like problematic or like this band ha is like an abuser in it. Like that is something that um yeah it needs then because we have to you know if if we're if we're not talking about it with each other how are we going to know how is that information going to be transmitted um it's something that get better records strives to do um get better records is a label that my partner started 10 years ago and that our new record came out on and i've started to help run and um you know it's all about like um you know we need to look out for each other so that the ideals that we have for what our larger music community looks like can manifest themselves, you mm -hmm. know, in, in the the spaces that we exist in together. So, yeah, I mean, then there's the aspect of like, do we need, we like, no, like, I don't want to be like, constantly be held up as like the voice of, of what, like of, of gender and mm -hmm. because because of the gender composition of our band you know it's we're still you know only three people with our you know unique experiences of the world and as soon as you start using your anecdote as a universal truth then things that's not that's not work you know that's not a way to, to approach uh understanding uh life and yeah. human existence I think it has to be a constant dialogue that we're we're all having with each other as people trying to work within the same um, work, work towards the same goals and their path. And t tell me a little bit about then. I know that you opened up for the Go Go's last year, and and you have the Fence Walker as well came out of a of obviously writing uh, with the Go Go's drummer Gina. Um, so tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about that experience of of. You know, like, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, just the mention of the Go-Go's <laughs> is nuts. And the fact that you obviously got to, yeah. you got to open, which I feel like opening is such a magical, people really, uh, you know, 
put down opening acts and look at them as like, oh, this they're smaller because they're opening. And I just feel like that is a magical sweet spot. You know, it's really, yeah. it's really amazing. Yeah. 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 It was a dream come true. We love the Go-Go's. It was incredible. And like first time really feeling like rock stars and, I wasn't sure how we'd be received as a younger band playing for mostly an older crowd, but because people like saw the art, people are like, oh, so this is the kind of band that the Go-Go's legacy has left an impression on, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, It's really cool when you can have like an intergenerational, like, influence laid out like that in the lineup (laughs) do you all remember the very first concert that you all went to the very first performance or or at least live show whether that was in a stadium or like at school or at a house party do you all remember the first show you ever went to I always say I remember the first three and I don't know what order they were in but it was Hanson Spice Girls and Weird Al oh (laughs) That is a trifecta for you. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. I don't remember what my first, very first show was because I I think I was like in eighth grade and just started. That's when I started going to house shows and they all kind of blurred together at that point. Um, But I did get to see, like, I got to see Jay Retard. Yeah. And... And because a friend's band opened for them. And like the first huge stadium concert I ever went to was Green Day. It was Best Coast opening for Green Day. And oh that was God. amazing because I loved Green Day yeah. in high school. It was like, that was like my first real big show that I ever went to. I think my first show was Cher and Cindy Lauper. <gasps> that and is so amazing. <laughs> And Peter Frampton. What? What? I love Peter Frampton. He's like the best dude ever. Wow. Wait, where did you see that show? When did that happen? I have no, I don't know anything about him. My mom loved him and I was about 10. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, he's got the best, he's got the best stories because he, he's just been around for so long. And, like, he had, like, weird riders and there's just, like, a lot of, like, myths about the dude. And he's just so lovely. Um, but that's amazing. And you saw Sure. Was that because you went with your mom or was that was that because yeah. you were interested was, in that uh, music? No, but my mom also. It was the, like, believe, it was that tour that she did in, like, 2001 mm-hmm. or around then. When that, like, she had her song... When she was doing auto-tune, she yeah. was with the auto-tune stuff, yeah. I was going to mimic it, but I have no voice. But so, and and your mom... I love Sher, guys. Sher's like the fucking best. Um, but, and so... Sunny Bono before in Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> Something you may not know about me. <laughs> Huh? What? The, airport, the airport in Palm Springs. I don't know if it's the airport or the maybe it's just a concourse, but it's called like Sunny Bono Concourse. Yeah. In the airport in Palm Springs. I have to do a share. You know, Sunny share. <laughs> it's 
Sunny and Cher. Anyway, oh. sorry, random. No, not at all. I'm like right there with you. I don't find that random. That's a very important part of the conversation. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a great airport. It's small and it's the concourse is entirely outside, so it's also a dog park, so people have their dogs out. What? I've never seen dogs in an airport or maybe I have and I just don't notice them because they're in carriers yeah yeah <laughs> and they're like human-like you know but wait so did your mom yeah. like when you were growing up was your do you remember what your mom was listening to like share when you two came out with that album mm. and like I don't really remember what was on that I love that album too mm. and I almost went to that concert yeah 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 Stuck in the moment, I can't get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> what was it about? Do you remember that performance at all? Just like the spectacle of seeing, you know, and also like you know, Abby, you mentioned uh, Green Day, and you just seeing these these performers live on on a stage that's so gigantic. Do you remember what you felt when you saw that? It was the. It was like I don't even it electrifying. She had, Cher had like million dollar, fake million dollar bills printed out with her face on it and they dropped it from the ceiling. <laughs> oh my God, raining Cher. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah me, meanwhile, Green Day had like a toilet paper gun and they were shooting <laughs> toilet paper to the crowd. <laughs> you can see like, like the two different, the two different experiences but obviously like seeing yeah. bands when you're so young do you feel like any of those performances taught you anything about performance like did you or maybe not those first shows but for all three of you was there a performer that you saw that you were like that is exactly what I want to do that that makes me feel that it energizes me, that makes me feel everything, that's exactly what I want to do going forward. Was there that one performer? I have to think about that because I, yeah. I feel like I've never... I feel like I've seen a lot of bands. Like, recently, I, I've i seen Cherry Glazer a few times in the past year, and I remember seeing them and just thinking, like, well, they just look so chill and cool while they're playing and like they're having a good time and dancing around and I was like I totally want to incorporate that kind of vibe into our set now because I feel like when we play it's so just like aggressive and straightforward and it, to mm. see someone else have a dynamic that's like kind of silly I was just like oh okay I that's cool yeah and especially yeah experiencing that oh I was just saying I think I like it's just something I always think about when I watch bands I'm like oh what are they doing or how are they interacting with each other or if this is like why is it boring you know like um I don't know there is like I I definitely get inspired by it's funny because when Victoria said she one of her first concerts was Cindy Lauper mm -hmm. I was thinking how I saw Cindy Lauper like um, probably like six or seven years ago. Um, and, um, just in, I, in the same way I, you know, seeing the go-go's like, I love seeing these older women who mm -hmm. are still doing it and who are still just as cool and who sound the same. And I find that interesting because I think like, you know, again, like thinking about like, gendered um expectations and assumptions and I think that's just general like it's not 
as remarkable to see like an old man rocker yeah. but when you see like <laughs> an older women who are still fucking badass and who stay the same like that's um I don't know it's really it's really cool I I just had one more thought which is that I realized when I saw Green Day mm. play that that's when I realized that you actually have to be an athlete to be a major <laughs> performer like that because they the stage was huge and they were running all over the place oh, like yeah. running up the middle platform and <laughs> jumping up in the air and I'm just like okay these guys are what like 50 or maybe <laughs> what, they're in like their 40s, 100, like yeah. 45 <laughs> and I'm like this is insane like I can't do that how are they doing this right now and that's when I realized like you actually have to be prepared for a performance and like oh actually a really good example of this is turnstile they their performances (laughs) are just mind-blowing they go insane and when we played wrecking ball in Atlanta a few years ago they also played and we shared a green room and they were all like stretching each other out and rolling each other with tennis balls <laughs> to warm up their muscles. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they were all, like, working out before their set, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, is it really that crazy? And then we saw them, and I was like, oh, my God, it's that crazy. <laughs> so that's what I've, like, uh, then I've now seen a few bands where I'm like, okay, you actually have, I have to like work on my cardio to, to put on a performance. <laughs> like work on my breathing in order to sustain me in this long uh, athletic yeah. stretch. But so, it's totally real. And watching these amazing performances, do you feel, do you feel like, because of course I feel like, I, I mean, I just spoke to somebody an hour ago and he's been in it for decades. He's been in the industry for decades and he's still learning things every day. I don't even think... You know, ageism is a thing. Um, Gary from Snow Patrol. Oh, cool. I love the idea of a band consistently learning and really shifting and changing the way that not only they perform, but the way that they, of course, make music. Yeah. You know, your writing is shifting and I love the your latest album. And do you feel like your performance is not only getting better, but it's changing a lot because of just experience and just how you are connecting to performance yeah totally I mean we started this band with such low expectations where we were just like (laughs) let's just play and see how it goes and now you know we have goals for ourselves and we have a standard for our performance level and uh, I think I mean we're always learning and adapting and every time we every time we write a new song like that you know you have to figure out how that is going to sound like is it going to be a quiet song or is it going to be a loud song and and how is that going to change the way that people perceive your image if Mm. you now have quiet songs and you're a rock band and you know we're older now than we were when we first started or we have different hair colors and like (laughs) you know we're people who change just inherently and so because of that you know you're constantly changing as a band and figuring out how to navigate that and like how people perceive you Mm. Mm. yeah I think overall I mean in all areas of my life I try to think of 
think of it as like, there's always more to learn. And, you know, there's always, you want to grow as a person. And I think what's great about music is there's, it's not like you ever get to a point and like, that's it. Like you're there, you need it. Like there either, either as a musician or as like, um, you know, just like an artist that, mm. you know, operates like, in, you know, as a business in the world, like there's always more to do. There are always things you could be refining. Like, you and what you have is all of your experience to learn from every experience should be giving you information about what's working and what's not working and for a for a type of profession that we just like fell into because we kept doing it and because it was fun for us mm -hmm. like you know we didn't it's not like we went to college for how to be a band you know <laughs> we take a class there's no yes. manual on how to do it so a lot of it has been from experience so you kind of always have to reflect and be like huh is that working or like you, you go to shows and you see the way other people are doing it and you're like oh okay so they're doing this and like you're just always looking for you know new information and reflecting on what you, you've done and um and I think that's part of like learning to let go of like your ego like mm -hmm. anyone who thinks have it figured out that's like just a really limiting mindset like you know you need to open your mind to different ways of operating in order to, um, you know, continue to grow. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting uh, yeah. experience. <laughs> what, sure. And, and what, what, what do you feel then are the things, you know, Abby, you mentioned earlier something like goals. You know, that's such a powerful word, word that I feel like everybody just throws away. But in terms of your growth as a band and also, of course, I think that a band doesn't work if the individuals are not growing at their own pace as well. So what do you feel maybe... I'm just trying to work out what I'm even asking, but I think I'm wondering about what you want to do from here in terms of growth. Like how, what, what are the things that you want to achieve that you know will help yourselves and also the bands, the band as a whole? Well, we, we definitely want to tour outside of the U S that is like yeah. the main goal right now Yes, where we're like, okay, we've, toward the U u.s multiple times and we're sort of playing these bar venues over and over and you know we want to expand and mm -hmm. make a name for ourselves worldwide and you know reach audiences that maybe have a different culture around music like i i feel like we we could be huge in japan and like people <laughs> yeah. always tell us we have to go to the uk and there are these things that i think really will boost our confidence as a band and just like really expand our experience and like give us like bring us to the next level I think that that is a huge thing is there a space just before we ca is there a space or a place that you are dying to go to is there a particular place that you've always wanted to travel and play I mean definitely Japan for yes. me <laughs> yeah amazing yeah Definitely Japan. I mean, like so many places, like I just, I can't wait <laughs> because like when I was in college, I studied abroad in, in Amsterdam and I'd love to uh, go back there. Yeah. I, I'd love to, I'd love to play like in Mexico and South America, Australia. What do you feel is the necessity? Like if you, if you could close your eyes and like act almost godlike and think of the 
perfect festival, like a three-day festival with a lineup of your dreams, do you know who would play that? Like in your mind, like who would you want to be on the bill next to? Oh, who would we want to play with? Well, yeah, or even just go to a festival and watch that performance. Like who, you know, I know that those are two different things, but is there a band or bands that you could picture would be like the ideal of a of a lineup? Well, definitely. I've seen St. Vincent a few times and Allie and I worked at Coachella last year and she played, so we got to see her. I would see, I could see her a hundred times. Her performance is always <laughs> so amazing. Mm. Um, so she, she is definitely up there for me of just festival, like shows that I will always want to go to. I'm like dying to see Courtney Love perform. I just saw her announced on a festival happening in LA and Fred Wells is playing. I remember it being like a crazy lineup, but I'm like, I just want to see her. Oh yeah. Is that the, (laughs) I feel like I saw that yesterday. Is that, uh, Licky Lee, Likey Lee? There's that yeah, new yeah. lineup. Oh my god, that looks nuts. Oh yes. Yeah. The B fifty twos. Oh, don't even they've just announced in tour, guys, like an hour or two ago. And hold on. I just got the the B fifty twos announced a fortieth anniversary tour. Wait, today? Yep. Like Oh, that's insane. <laughs> okay. Literally a few hours ago and I have been dying. I've just been busy, but I've been dying to look at where they're actually going. I'm actually gonna open it up right now. I don't even know where they I don't think they're coming. Oh, that's a crazy coincidence. I know. That's why I was like very excited to point it out. I don't know when they, where they'll actually be going. But anyway, have a look and see and you may you may be able to see them. Okay. In terms of just, you know, growth and all those kinds of things, how much fun are you just having being, you know, performing these collection of songs now? And are you are you focused on writing consistently and making sure that you're also like exercising that part of the brain too? Like where where are mm-hmm. you at at the moment? Yeah, playing these new songs has felt really good because you know, up until now, we had played some of them, but we couldn't because people didn't know them. And so we had to play all of our old songs that people knew. And it just felt so, like, boring and mm-hmm. uninspiring to play the same songs for, like, five or six years. So it feels really exciting now to be playing the songs from the record. And it's interesting because I feel like like we've learned how to change songs so that the dynamics even if it's not the exact same on the record it just makes it flow better in a set and how to like keep the energy up and mm. there are certain things that doing it live makes me realize like oh I wish we had known that when we were recording <laughs> but oh, right. so that's been really interesting to just figure out those kinds of dynamics but we're I've written a couple songs just in the last week and I kind of had like a dry spell once we finished recording and we started doing a lot of press. I just, Mm. we were all working so hard to get this album out that I, my brain was just not in that kind of sure. But now I feel like I've had a little bit of time to rest and the songs are just 
you know, coming out of nowhere. So you're giving birth. I know I'm giving birth again. <laughs> <laughs> but I get what you're saying about like feeling stunted. Like there's a certain time when like creativity is just not welcome and you, you're not in a space to let that all happen. So I'm so glad to hear that you're back at that uh, space. Yeah, it definitely comes in waves. I need to, I have to like let my body rest for a while. Take your prenatal vitamins. <laughs> to let the, the baby come out. So. Do you feel like there is a certain town in the States that you've visited and, and performed at that you just really love? Is there is it LA? Chicago. Yes. <laughs> Chicago. Fuck yeah. yeah. Whenever we play Chicago, because we play Lollapalooza and we played two shows with churches yeah. there. And so and I feel like Chicago just has a really great music energy like mm. people come out for shows and people are just like really good audiences there so we love playing Chicago and playing Boston is fun because that's kind of like our home city or the closest thing to Western Mass that's a city and mm. and New York is usually fun too because we have a lot of friends there I love that you all do interviews together by the way that's a massively underrated thing right now <laughs> I love that Why? you do well, that. Why? else would we do it? I mean, I have been doing this for a very long time and mostly there's like a designated interview person, someone who like doesn't uh, mind being asked all these crazy questions and or just spending time with strangers. Um, and yeah. so I love that. Is that a conscious thing that you all decided to do or was that, it just, is it just because you don't know there's no other way? Uh, we just always do it. I think because... I know personally, I always like hearing other people's responses to these questions. Like, I feel like I think about things in a very particular way from how my bandmates think about them. And I feel like I always learn something every time we do an interview all together. Yeah, it's almost like forced reflection time with each other. <laughs> yeah. But we just never really thought, I mean, we're just three different people, you know, and it's just always like, oh, yeah, we'll all. I mean, there are, yes, there are some interviews where it's like, oh, can you do that email or whatever? But for things like this, where it's more like stream of consciousness, it feels good to all be together. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble, and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the Kickback for our theme song, Rube and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already
Consequence Podcast Network.